Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we're holding church services online until further notice, and we encourage you to join us. Tune in on Sundays at one of our four online broadcast times, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 3 p.m., or 8 p.m. For info and updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Life SoCo and visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's an encouraging word. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to go to the book of Acts chapter 8 today. And I'm going to title today's talk, Flatten the Fear. I think it's time for us to flatten the fear of this virus, of this pandemic. We've been working on flattening the curve. Now it's time to flatten the fear so we don't become crippled to this virus or this pandemic. Can you say amen? So here's what the book of Acts says in Chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, it says that Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So we're going to give you some context in a second. But in chapter 7, Stephen, one of the men who we talked about last time, he was commissioned to help with the food pantry. But Stephen was also a preacher, which is really cool to see that you don't have to be limited to one thing. We talked about your roles. But he preached such a powerful message that he, he convicted some people and they They stoned him to death. We'll we'll get to that in a second. But out of this, my friends, a great wave of persecution began that day. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout man came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Verse four, but the believers were scattered. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and to see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Can you say amen? There was great joy in that city. And I believe that whatever the good news of Jesus is preached, there is great joy in that city, can you say amen? And so it's been about a little bit over two months since we've been dealing with this pandemic and the world will never be the same again. That's that's an honest to goodness fact. Like the world, because this is a universal thing, we will never be the same again. There's some things we'll never go back to. And now we find ourselves in so much fear and so much chaos and the good news is we're starting to see some normality coming back, right? Some things are starting to get back into normal. And then you got to ask yourself your question, now what, right? Now what do we do? Because the stigma of fear doesn't just leave you because they said we flattened the curve, right? The stigma of fear has this prevailing thing that happens in our psyches. All of us have some type of fear because of some type of stigma that we've had, right? This is not just a pandemic thing. This is a life thing 
right, that when you experience a certain trauma, it's hard to get away from that thing, right? Some of us, we've had emotional trauma, family trauma, physical trauma. For example, some people get into a car accident. They have a hard time getting back to driving again. And so it's important that we're not just focusing on flattening the curve, but we got to flatten this fear that comes with these crises in life, right? The first believers, my friends, that we'll be looking at, they dealt with crisis on a very deep level. When you get to Acts 8, they are facing a brutal persecution by unbelievers. Listen, we are pretty fortunate to live in a country where we have freedom of religion to express ourselves, but some places don't have that. Even as I speak, there are areas in the world where Christians are persecuted just because they believe in Jesus, right? This is a reality for a lot of people, and it was a reality for them back in Acts chapter 8. And it all started, if you go back to chapter 7, with Stephen preaching this powerful message, which I encourage you, go back and read it. Basically, Stephen broke down the Old Testament and how Jesus came to fulfill it. And he was showing them the Messiah is here, but the ones that didn't believe in the Messiah felt offended by his message to the point that they actually stoned him because they believe he was teaching a false gospel. Which, by the way, you have to understand this, that these believers at this point, the ones who didn't believe in Jesus, believed that they were in a cult. I think some of us have heard that before, right? And so... Here is this crisis that they're facing. Remember, there's thousands of them now, and now they are, they are scared. They're afraid for their lives. And as the Bible tells you here, they begin to scatter to just try to find some kind of solitude, some kind of solace, some kind of place that they can find some peace, right? And the sad reality is, history tells us that some of them even lost their faith because of the persecution, Right? Like right now, some of this crisis has made a lot of people question their faith, question uh, their beliefs, right? Because it really rocks you to the core and all of us kind of react differently to crisis, right? So my friends, I want to say a couple of things here that sometimes when you're doing God's will, you're going to face opposition, right? A lot of times I think people get this twisted because they think, I'm doing God's will, how can this go wrong? I would tell you this is a mature word today that sometimes doing God's will is counterculture to the society you're living in. And some people are not gonna agree with you. Some people are, are gonna hate you because the gospel also offends those who are not doing the will of God. You don't even have to say anything wrong, it's just that light makes darkness feel weird. It repels darkness. And so people just respond weird. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, after he said the famous words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he said, if you keep reading, he says, but the problem is the light came into the world, but some people love darkness more than light. Right? And that's an honest thing. And I know that for a fact because some of you, you're experiencing some of that tension in your own homes because you've given your life to the Lord and some people in your family or loved ones don't agree with your decision. And so here you are now in this turmoil and this crisis. And I want to encourage you that sometimes doing God's will going to bring you against some people who don't understand what God is up to. So don't lose heart. Don't lose focus. 
It does not mean you're doing anything wrong because the enemy loves to twist that around to say that I must be doing something wrong, right? That, that these things are happening. Matter of fact, I would say this. Sometimes opposition is actually a sign that you're doing something right. And I'll go as far as saying, if you're a follower of Jesus and you, have, you haven't had any opposition in a while, you, you, should be, you should be questioning, am I really following Jesus? Right? Because opposition is what grows us. It's what strengthens us. It's what encourages us. And it's what builds our spiritual muscles. Right? And so here we are in the middle of this revival, there's also persecution. Right? Usually those things go hand in hand. When God is reviving you and he's doing something new in your life, there's going to be some type of opposition with it. So it's critical that you don't lose heart. My friends, we are introduced to Saul, right? Saul was persecuting these Christians because he believed that they were in a cult. And back in those days, the religious radical, just like you see today, like ISIS, for example, right, will persecute you and kill you. And Paul thought he was doing God a favor by doing this. And then when you get to chapter nine, you realize Jesus reveals himself to him. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? I love that. It's such an encouraging thing because Jesus is saying, when people are persecuting you, they actually persecuted me, right? How awesome is that? That Jesus equates himself with us, right? I love that which tells you whatever you're going through, Jesus is like, I'm with you on this thing, right? And I'm going to make a way for you. And Jesus transforms Saul to the point that he becomes the greatest missionary that's ever lived, right? So God can take a persecution and turn it into a testimony for his good. So hang in there, right? Don't lose heart. I don't know what I'm talking to today. Whatever you're facing, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. The same Jesus that was with those First disciple is with you today. Now, here's another observation in Acts 8. And, I, and, and sometimes some of these messages, they, I like to call those crockpot messages because you got to take your time to really see the, the revelation that's here. So listen, chapter 8 is very interesting because persecution hits and they scatter. But that was actually the blessing in the skies. Right? Why do I say that? Because here's the thing, going back to Acts chapter 1, we saw Jesus say that, hey, I'm going to send my spirit, he's going to fill you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, which was their home, and then, sorry, in Jerusalem first, in Judea, which was the region, and in Samaria was like the, the farthest part that they could go at this point, right? But we get to chapter 8, they were still in Jerusalem, right? So guess what? The persecution is what forced them out of Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria. So my friend, whatever we're going through is a blessing in disguise because sometimes we won't move out of our comfort zones until we're forced out of it, right? It's been eight chapters and they haven't moved out of Jerusalem. Why? Because pretty much sometimes comfort becomes your worst enemy. So sometimes, I'm not saying God brought this thing on us, but God allows these things to happen to push us out of our comfort zone, to teach us how to trust him, to teach us how to live by faith and not by sight, to not get comfortable in this life, but to know that there's more to come. And so my friends, this is the moment that Jesus' prophecy comes to pass. And it comes to pass through a persecution because sometimes we need that to push us 
So I want to tell you this again. Persecution was a blessing in disguise. Whatever you're going through right now is a blessing in disguise, right? God is trying to push you out of your comfort zone because he knows that you won't be able to fully accomplish his purpose if you stay where you are. You were not intended to stay in Jerusalem, whatever your Jerusalem is. You were intended to push out and go into Judea and go into Samaria. This pandemic has forced churches out of their comfort zone. Right? This, this pandemic is so funny because there were pastors who hated social media, but now they're all over social media because it pushed them out of their comfort zone to be able to reach more people, which is so interesting because I guarantee you if these guys had social media, they will be all over it preaching the gospel of Jesus because they used the technology, which was the letters, was the writing. That's all they had in the day to get the word out. Right? And today we have YouTube and Facebook and, and, and your mama's book. You know, All of it was not supposed to be for you. It was supposed to push the good news forward. Right? Listen, this has allowed thousands of people to hear the good news about Jesus. They would have never heard if we were in a typical comfort place. Right? Listen, it's in the book of Acts. Think about this. They go to Samaria. You have to understand the historical implication of this. The Jews hated Samaritans. If you know the story, Jesus went to Samaria and spoke to a Samaritan woman, and she was shocked that he would speak to her. And actually, Jesus revealed himself to her and said, I am the Messiah. And she went back and reported it. But no one had ever stepped into Samaria again until this moment. Think about that. God will cause a pandemic to happen so you can reach people that you never think you can reach, which we'll get into next time. We will talk about how God hate racism in chapter, Acts chapter 10, when God goes into Cornelius' home and says, now you, you got you to gotta flatten racism too. Hello, somebody. This is God's will, right? That we break all these prejudices that we have, religious prejudice and racial prejudice, economical prejudice, you know, cultural prejudice. God wants to break all of that down so it's, it's all about him connecting with people, right? So, my friends, God does not waste a crisis and neither should you, right? It's because of persecution that we see the church expand its reach. Right now, because of this virus, Thousands, I would say millions, have heard the good news about Jesus. I heard a great report today that in Iran, there is a high demand for the Bible. And they say people are requesting more info about Jesus. It's actually, they say it's up 50%. This is one ministry in Iran reporting this. They said this since this pandemic, right? Another church that I follow, Word Harvest, reported today that since the pandemic, over 50,000 people have given their life to Jesus, okay? And we can also report here in the Bedford that hundreds have given their life to Jesus since this pandemic. So guess what? It's not just what you see, it's what God is doing, right? And how many of you guys have given us testimony that it was because of this pandemic that your loved ones have turned to watch the broadcast? You are welcome. Thank God that he uses all things to show us who he is, amen? And so, my friends, I just want to encourage us today that we need to flatten the curve, yes, and I pray we continue to take all the precautions necessary to see this thing be eliminated, but also it's important that we flatten the fear that comes with these crises, right? We need to focus on, on now eliminating all the stigmas in our minds. We cannot allow fear to rule the day, right? Because right now, 
everybody is on high alert. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's worried. Everybody's frustrated. And it's important, and I pray we catch this, it's important that fear is not the baseline of our souls. As believers, faith should always be the baseline of our souls. I want to remind you that the Bible tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Right? So when I say that, I want to make it clear that there's a difference between unhealthy fears and healthy fears. Right? Fear is a part of life. Matter of fact, fear is a defense mechanism that God has given us to tell us something is up, something's going on. So fear in itself is not bad. What's bad is when we are buying into what's unhealthy fears, things that are paralyzing us, the things that are holding us back from actually doing the things that God has called us to do. Now, here's where the Holy Spirit comes into play, my friends. We've been talking about living a spirit-filled life. This, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I pray we understand is the gift of discernment. The Holy Spirit comes to help you discern what's healthy and what's unhealthy, right? Because it's not always black and white, right? There's some things that are muddy. And so the Holy Spirit comes to give you discernment, which is guidance and understanding. And it comes to empower you to make decisions that are going to empower your life, not keep you paralyzed, from your fears. So my, my word for you today is to really pray and own in on the Holy Spirit and ask, help me to flatten the fear of my life, right? Empower me because I don't want to just go with what society is saying. Listen, you have to remember this. Media loves fear because fear keeps you watching, right? Fear makes you buy into everything that they're saying. Now, when I say that, I know all of us handle crisis differently. And this is where I'm asking us as a body of, of believers that we need to help each other on this, okay? Because this is not a matter of who has more faith and who is more spiritual. This is a matter of us maneuvering through this crisis and asking the Holy Spirit to help all of us not be paralyzed by our fears. And I believe this is the moment, my friends, that we need to build each other's faith. I need to stir up your faith and you stir up my faith. I need to encourage you and you encourage me. I want you to know when I preach, I'm preaching to myself. That's the first person I preach to because I need the encouragement. I need the push. I need to, to tell myself, get over some of these unhealthy fears that you have. And so I want you to know I'm with you on this and I want to speak life into you. I want to speak life into our communities that God is with us and is for us. Okay, so this it's not about who is more spiritual, who has more faith. It's about all of us breaking down these fears that are paralyzing us from doing the will of God. I pray we are all flattening our fears because it's not just about a crisis. It's about every stigma that's in your mind that is not God's will for you and it's paralyzing you. So as we go forward this next few weeks and we open up the building in, in the next couple of weeks, my friends, I want to say this. You may not be ready to come to the physical building. And that's okay, because we're still gonna come to you online, right? So this is not gonna be an either or, it's both, right? And I, and I believe this, the online thing is not gonna go away. This is the future, 
And, and for some people, they don't even live in the area to come. And so we're going to come to you. So the online thing is never going to go away. So whenever you're ready, and if you live in the area, you want to come to the service here, you're more than welcome. But we're not going to rush you. This is, we're not going to push you. We're just going to encourage you. Don't let fear paralyze you. Don't let fear keep you from the things that God wants to do in your life. And for some of you guys who are ready to reopen, to come, uh, we're going to do it in a way that's going to honor what our state has asked us to do. Okay, so make sure you're following all those, those guidelines. And so my thing today as we, as we get ready to end here is let's begin to pray that faith will be the baseline of our lives, not fear. Right? Let's really own in on praying every day that, God, I refuse to live in fear. Let's begin to flatten fear, but let's also help others do the same. Right? Let's not debate who has more faith, who is more spiritual. Let's be sensitive to each other's needs. Let's be sensitive to where people are because everybody has been affected by this in different ways. Some people are deeply affected by this virus because they have loved ones who have gotten sick or even have passed away. So please, friends, let's all be aware of that, right? But together, like these believers, let's continue to press into the Holy Spirit. Let's bring joy to our cities like they did in the book of Acts. Because, listen, here's, here's what I want to say. If, if people are going to catch anything from us, let them catch the joy of the Lord. Right? Let them catch the faith that we have. Let them catch the optimism that we have. Right? We're from, we've, listen, we're from New England. We're already sarcastic by nature. We're already cynical by nature. Right? We need to go against those things and say, God, I refuse the stigma or even a region. I want to be your people. I want to be filled with faith. I want to be filled with joy. I want to be filled with optimism. I want to believe that the best days are ahead of us. I want to believe that the God of miracles, the God of victory, the God of breakthrough is in our midst and he's working and he's ministering and he's changing things. And so my action steps today, my friends, is simply this. Number one, pray against unhealthy fear. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you discern what is healthy and what's unhealthy? Again, that's different for everybody. But let's pray, God, I don't want to be bound by unhealthy fear. Second, pray for discernment. God, give me understanding. I want to know your will. I want to know your purpose. And I want to know how the enemy is trying to trap me into fear. And then number three, my friends, you got to act on faith. Faith has legs, right? Faith is an action word. Faith is a verb, like you got to do something to get out of the situation you find yourself in. Remember, they were pushed out of their comfort zone, and I believe God is pushing all of us out of our comfort zone to become everything He created us to, to be. So we're going to be opening up and follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. On a, oh, no, listen, we have an email going out to people, breaking down all the guidelines and how we're going to do this, but May 31st, we're going to come back to the building, but we can only have 40% capacity. So we're going to do three services, 9, 11, and 1. You're going to have to register online so we know who's coming. And we're going to follow all the guidelines to, be, to have a, a safe 
in healthy buildings. So we've been cleaning the place, we've been getting it ready, and I believe it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be powerful. If you're ready to come, go ahead and register. If you're not ready, go keep watching online. But we are so excited to be back again in the building, worshiping the Lord together. And listen, we never like to close without giving you the privilege of making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Everything I've talked about stems from the reality that I don't live life in my own strength, in my own power, in my own will. I live by the power of God's Spirit in me. It's not about being good or bad, it's about being saved. It's about coming alive. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. And he says, if you open yourself to me, I will come into your life, forgive you, empower you, strengthen you, and enable you to live the life I've created you to live. So if you're ready to surrender your life to the Lord, this is your moment. Every week we've been hearing people surrendering, and this could be your moment right now. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna lead you on this prayer, but the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Just say, Father, today I'm ready to surrender. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead, and he broke the back of sin, and he forgave me, and he loves me. Jesus, come, I'm yours. I wanna live in the fullness of your will. And I want to live by the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill me and have your way in me, but also have your way through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.